Hey, have you applied to speak at Voice Summit yet? Applications are open until March 31st. So if you have something to say about voice, go to voicesummit.ai and click on apply to speak to be considered. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Apply now. Dr. Terry Fisher is a doctor by day and all things audio the rest of the time. He talks about being named an Amazon Alexa champion, how he's been able to market his flash briefing with games, why Gary Vaynerchuk has had such an influence on him, why healthcare and voice is so important, and why he thinks we'll be able to handle our own healthcare at home quite soon. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Carrie Roberts. And today I have on the wonderful Dr. Terry Fisher. Welcome, Terry. Hi there, Carrie. So nice to be here. So we chatted recently at Project Voice, and it was lovely to meet you in person. So I'm excited to have you on here again. Wonderful. Yeah, it was very nice to meet you in person as well. It's so much fun when you go to these conferences and you've been interacting with these people online, and then you actually get to see a real person behind it. So it was wonderful. Yes, yes, you do. And I want to start off today by talking about you were just named an Alexa champion by Amazon Alexa. Can you talk about what that required to be in it or what you did when you found out or what that meant to you to be named that? Yeah, thanks. It's a real honor. So what did I do to become an Alexa champion? It's hard to answer that because I have all along since the very beginning when Alexa came to Canada, I've just been trying to put out valuable content to our community, to our audience. I'm now referring to our audience, at least in Canada, Northern Voice. A lot of the stuff that I put out is applicable everywhere, but it does have that Canadian slant. And so I started the Alexa in Canada podcast and uh, and the blog and the Voice in Canada flash briefing. And like I said, I've just really been trying to help grow the voice technology community and get people excited about the possibilities of what Alexa can do for them and for us and for society, really. And so, you know, through that and through some other resources, I help people develop their own flash briefings through my course, Flash Briefing Formula. And these various components of what I've been doing were then eventually picked up by Amazon and they wanted to recognize that. So, while most of the Alexa champions are developers and they're actually creating skills, they do have a number of champions now that are doing other things similar to what I'm doing, being an educator, an evangelist, essentially for the technology. And so I was extremely honored and, of course, very excited when I heard that they were going to make me an Alexa champion. Yeah. One of the things, you know, you talked about, you have a flash briefing, you know, you're in the medical space, you've been speaking a lot on voice. One of the things we hear about a lot is, you know, how do I market my flash briefing or how do I market my skills? And you recently did something called Crack the Code. Can you talk about what that is, kind of how that became a marketing tactic and tool and what were the results of it? Sure. So Crack the Code has been really fun and it's sort of taken on a life of its own. I just did a second round of this game. But the first time I did it was actually about six months ago when I hit my 500th flash briefing. I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to do something a little creative. I wanted to thank my listeners and thank my community for tuning in every day and also thank some of the podcast guests that I've had on my podcast. So I started thinking about this and I thought, I want to create a gamified flash briefing. But as you may know, I'm sure a lot of listeners know, flash briefings right now are content production and a content distribution medium, but you can't really talk back. It's not a two-way conversation. So in order to create a gamified one, I realized that I'd have to then create an accompanying Alexa skill. And that skill is called Crack the Code. And the way the game worked is that people would listen to the flash briefing every day. The initial one was for 14 days. The second round here was for 10 days. And each day, I would provide some type of 
clue, some type of puzzle or you know, some type of challenge that the person, the listener would have to solve. And if they could solve it, then they could go to the crack the code skill, talk to Alexa and try their hand at seeing if they got the right answer to that puzzle. And if they did, then Alexa would give them a small little piece of the final code. And if they did that every single day for the duration of the contest, then they would get enough of the pieces or they would get all the pieces that they could then go back to Alexa and say the final code. And if they crack that code, Alexa would then give them the information on how to enter to win a big prize package. And the thing that I really wanted to incorporate to this was, like I said, recognizing and thanking my podcast guests and also sponsors. So a lot of these little puzzles had to do with a brand, a guest that I had on my podcast. And for people to figure that out, if they didn't know the answer right off the bat, they would actually go and do some detective work on my website, on my blog, and look up these particular brands or companies or the guests. And it was a way to bring awareness to these companies and it was a, a new form of marketing, essentially, where the person was searching for information about these brands and companies and guests because it was part of the game experience. And it worked really, really well. I had tremendous response. And the round that I just ended, so it was a 10-day contest this time around. I had got some feedback last time that 14 days was maybe a little bit too long. So I love taking feedback from the community. I made this one 10 days. And people say this is the perfect length. I had close to 900 people enter the contest this time around, of which 51 of them actually solved the final code. And then we gave out a whole bunch of prizes. And I should give a shout out to all the sponsors. They were Audio Burst, Trinity Audio, Treble FM, Voice XP, and of course, you, who you represent, Voice Summit, thanks to Pete Erickson. Uh, one of the things that he threw in was an all-access pass to Voice Summit 2020. And I know the winner, the grand prize winner, is very, very excited about that. And also Amazon itself sponsored the contest as well. And they threw in a number of Echo Shows for participation prizes. So overall, it was a great experience. And it created essentially a voice marketing funnel that people would listen to the flash briefing, play the game, and ultimately, I would end up with their email addresses. And it helps to build my email list as well in a really fun way. That's incredible. Let's go back for a second. So I want to go way back for a moment. Sure. How did you market your flash briefing in the first place? Was there anything that you did or was it a little bit organic because there weren't as many on Amazon at the time? When I first started my flash briefing, I had had my podcast, not for too long, for a little bit, for a few, probably a couple of months, maybe at that time, maybe two months. And I'd started to develop a little bit of an audience because there really wasn't anything else in Canada as far as a good resource for Alexa. And so people that were interested in Alexa very quickly were finding my site because it, it was climbing the ranks very quickly when you search Google for anything to do with Alexa in Canada. In fact, it's been, I've been very fortunate that if you put in those two terms, Alexa in Canada and to Google, apart from Amazon, it's my resources that come up. So fortunately, that helped to build my brand. But very early on then, I promoted the flash briefing on my podcast. I promoted the flash briefing on my blog. And I just made a real concerted effort to raise awareness for it. I also, even before the flash briefing launch, this is a tip that I give people in my course, is you can do a soft launch where people get excited about it before the official launch date. So I actually had some sort of Easter egg little fun things in my flash briefing before it was officially launched. And if people would find that and they would share it, it created a lot of buzz around my flash briefing even before it was officially launched. Now, once you had this kind of following, what made you decide to say, hey, I think I'm going to do a game and I'm going to create a skill and do this whole thing? Like, 
what was kind of the premise for that? Were a lot of the people that were interacting people that enjoyed games or was this just, let me just try this idea and see what happens? It was probably more the latter, to be perfectly honest. I just wanted to do something. I love creating stuff. I mean, the fact that I have two podcasts and a number of flash briefings and blogs, and there's a real creative part to me. And I think that's actually the way it is for a lot of people in the voice industry now, which is very exciting, I think. Very cool. So I just wanted to really experiment and I wanted to do something really unique and really fun. And I thought, well, what is an audience going to have fun with? I think they're going to have fun with playing a sort of a mystery puzzle game something that can keep them engaged and also the opportunity to win some real prizes out of it. But really, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I just kind of tried it out and got it set up. And right off the bat, it was obvious that people were really enjoying it. I had all kinds of really cool feedback. I had somebody write into me and say that they were playing with the Crack the Code skill for two hours straight trying to solve the clues. And other people saying at the time, like they were comparing it like, whoa, maybe this is like the Pokemon Go of flash briefings the response exceeded my expectations. I love that. I think that's so amazing. And it's always interesting. You know, a lot of people come from a creative background, but you come from a medical background. In fact, you're still a doctor during your day. And this is in a sense, your side hustle, if you will. I have a question for you. If you were not a doctor and you were not in voice, what do you think you'd be doing as far as a career? Oh, that is a great question. I love that question. I wonder if I would be doing some type of engineering. I just love playing with technology. And specifically what that is, I'm not sure. Maybe it would be some type of computer science, AI type engineering, that sort of thing. Because I think that really brings in a lot of my passions for the technology, for educating, for health, and just it's getting to play with all the tech toys because that's what I love to do. And on a side note, as we're talking about side hustle, I know that you're a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan. And yes. funny enough that when we met in person, you were wearing his shoes. And then I said, <laughs> I had my shoes. <laughs> that's right. And honestly, the amount of people in this space that first heard about voice from Gary V is insane. You know, it just goes to show like his level of branding and marketing and awareness that he puts out that gets people interested. And then on top of that, I got to meet your Gary V team, uh, (laughs) which I joke because they were amazing. You had your video people, your sound people. I mean, I feel like I was with a celebrity. And so what kind of made you say like, okay, like I'm going to do what Gary says and does. I embrace what he's about. I'm not only going to buy the shoes, but I am going to get somebody to do my video and audio. Like, where did that come from? I love that question as well, because that is really, really true. You're spot on with what you're saying. Gary has been a huge influence to me. And I agree with you. I think not only me, but really the whole voice industry. It's amazing how many people at Voice, at Project Voice, at Voice Summit, at all these conferences are influenced by Gary Vee. So I really believe in what he's saying is that if you want to create a brand for yourself, it's all about the content. And I know personally, up until this point, I'm a very busy. We're all very busy. So I, like you said, I've got a full-time job. This is sort of my evening and weekend and my passion. But I realized that I was lacking on some video content and really being able to share this out in a larger scale. So I've been very fortunate that I met these uh, two wonderful members of our team. And I have to give a shout out to them, Lucien Liu, who is the tremendous videographer, and Natan Simkovich, who is a, a medical student at University of Toronto. And they contacted me because they were interested in what I was doing. And we had some discussions and we realized that it was a perfect fit for them to join the team. And so, yes, I was inspired by Gary Vee. I had these two guys come out to Project Voice uh, with me to basically capture as much content as we possibly could so that, number one, I could produce valuable content that is going to be useful, entertaining, educational for the voice community. And two, through the nature of 
distributing that type of content, it helps to build my own brand. And these guys have been remarkable. Been, it's been really fun. It was uh, one of the best decisions I could have made. They were just amazing. Their energy, their creativity. They did a wonderful job. I've seen some of the videos they've done. It's been tremendous. And along this kind of branding thing, the other thing you recently did was you got your Sonic brand done. Can you yes. talk about why you chose to do that? What was the process like? Why you think it's important? And anything else you want to share about it? Yeah. So, you know, that kind of goes along with what we've been talking about in terms of the brand and something that I spoke about during my talk is that now in the voice space, you know, a very typical question in the past was, you know, when you ask, when you talk to a company, when you talk to an organization, you say to them, well, what does your brand look like? That's a very kind of typical question. They can usually explain that. But what's a little bit less easy to answer, at least today, is what does your brand sound like? And as we go into this voice first era, that is going to become the critical question. And so I started thinking about what does my brand sound like? And initially, my I mean, people can hear this if they go back and listen to my old podcast or my old flash briefings, you'll hear that I had this little music clip that I had created on my own through some loops in GarageBand on a Mac. And it was fine, but it wasn't really me. And then I started speaking with Audrey Arbini of Audio Brain, who again, big shout out to her. It's funny, there's a lot of shout outs here, but really that's what this community is about. We, I've had so many great partnerships. So Audrey Arbain, we started chatting and I realized the importance of having my brand's sonic identity. It needed to be me. It needed to be different from everybody else. It needs to be unique. And that's the same, I believe, for everybody. And so we sat down, I sat down with, with Audrey and her whole team, which Again, she was incredible. She is really, really next level when it comes to sonic branding. And they went through this whole discovery process of what's my personality? What am I trying to portray? And at the end of the day, she came up with four main categories. And she said, you know, according to her and her team, you know, the things that they wanted to capture in my sound was being a positive person, having integrity, being trustworthy, being very technologically contemporary, and being a health advocate. And then she sat down with her team and they composed a selection of different pieces of music, and they ran them by me trying to capture that. And through a little bit of back and forth, we arrived at what is my sonic brand. And then they created a bunch of assets around that, the intro to the podcast, the intro to the flash briefing, room warming music for speaking engagements, you know, walk-on music, it goes on and on and on. And it's amazing to have that. When I knew that Lucian and Natan were coming out to Project Voice and Lucian was going to be creating some videos. I was like, okay, that's great. But we, what I'm really excited about is the way these are going to come together now because I'm going to be able to take Audrey's sonic branding and the videography and put them together so that now whenever a video is produced, it's not only got the visual content, but it's got my sonic sound to it, which really I think kind of makes the brand. Yes, I love that. And actually, Audrey and her team developed the one you all hear on Inside Voice for Voice. That's right. It. And she's done Olympics. She's done a lot of very she's big amazing. players in the space. I actually have my own podcast, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. And I had Gina Isham that did mine. And yes. it was the same. I did the same thing. I had like a garage band one that like someone yep. had composed and it was like what I had. And I always like was like, I don't really like this. But even back then, five years ago, I knew I wanted something that wasn't anyone else's. So it was something that he had created himself. Um, right. And so it was technically something, but I was like, ah, it just doesn't feel like me. And uh, I know her and I went back and forth, same process. And when we came to that final one, I was like, oh, this is it. And not only is it me, but it's this show. So I think that that is really helpful. And people always say, well, why do you need that? When you and I talked about this at Project Voice, that you know, yep. if you get music that everyone else has, you know, it's hard to differentiate you. But they start to hear your sound over and over again, they're going to start to associate that with you and your brand or your company. So 
So it is kind of a long process, just as like you said, just like your logo, it's your audio logo. Yes, exactly. I couldn't agree more. So that's cool. I forgot that. Oh, I didn't forget. I knew that, but I, you know, I neglected to mention that. Yeah, she did an incredible job. And I remember sitting in the audience at that opening day of Voice Summit and having the band playing the music and then people sort of singing along and it just felt right. And that's what Sonic Brand does. Yeah, it does. And I know for Pete Sound for Voice Summit, you know, he really was about, he wanted that communal feel. And so those UOs yeah. um, really fit with what they're about. So it's amazing how we can do so much with music. And for people that that's their thing, it's really great to hire people like that because they understand how to pull emotion through sound. Absolutely. So it's, it's a really special place. Absolutely. You know, you're doing so much with technology and voice and podcasting, things of that nature. I'm curious how you use voice in your everyday and at work. Like, how do you use Alexa or Google Assistant or Bixby in your office, you know, in the medical field or even at home with your family? It's a good question. So it's tricky to be perfectly honest. Although I've got all this stuff about voice first health and that side of my brand, it's very hard to implement that stuff at this stage in an actual office practice because we haven't actually solved the challenges with security and privacy. We haven't solved the problems with security and privacy there. And so it's very hard to implement those in an actual office practice because that's all. those are obviously very valid challenges and concerns that we need to deal with. What I am very interested in is using Alexa and these other devices as educational tools because a lot of what we're doing as physicians, as healthcare providers right now is providing education. There's so many times when a patient that I see has you know, a very typical problem and I'm answering a lot of the same questions, saying a lot of the same thing. So I think even now, without having to worry about necessarily privacy and security, there are many roles for the smart assistants to be able to answer those FAQs or educate a patient or patient to tap into, for example, a flash briefing about diabetes at home. Those are the examples of the low-hanging fruit right now for medical applications. Obviously, it's going to get a lot more interesting beyond that as we can sort out some of these challenges. At home, what am I doing? I'm using Alexa for routines, for giving me my, you know, when I wake up in the morning, what flash briefings, weather, traffic, all that kind of stuff. I use it for home automation in the home. My kids have fun playing with games, those sorts of things. I do like to play around with it using some of the other tools out there just to kind of experiment and see what kind of skills that I can create that are, that are sort of interesting. Some of them are not out there publicly. You know, what really excites me is the potential for how we're going to use these voice assistants in the home and how homes are going to become little almost like satellite medical clinics as the technology gets a little bit better. And we will start to talk to our devices in the home. And that is going to be our entrance to the healthcare system, which is, I think, something that's coming down in the not too distant future. Yeah, there's definitely companies working on that. And I think that we'll, you know, be able to save time, save money. You're not going in for every little thing. And I think it'll be super helpful for patients and for doctors as a whole, I would imagine. I absolutely agree. I can see the day where this already, you know, Amazon's put out these hints already that they're getting into the healthcare space. But I can see the day where you wake up and say you're not feeling well, you talk to your Alexa device, and through the analyzing your voice or what's known as vocal biomarkers, it can detect that you're not feeling well. So it already has an idea of what's going on. Then it asks you some questions like a doctor would, and it may come to the conclusion that there's a certain probability, a higher probability that you might have, let's say, strep throat. And then it asks you, would you like me to order a strep test for you? It gets delivered to you by a drone. You do use the strep test. Alexa talks you through how to do it. And of course, it's connected to the internet. through It's an IoT device. It analyzes the results. And then it says, you know what? You need 
some antibiotics just through my history with you. I know what you're allergic to. I'll order you some antibiotics and they get delivered to your home through one of Amazon's pharmacies and you haven't left your home and you've got your treatment. That's where I think we're ultimately going, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's funny because sometimes you're like, oh, it's a little weird. It's a little scary because we're not used to it. But I think it's very exciting. And, and I think you're right. In the future, it will become very common overall. I think so. And I think, and you know, for people that don't necessarily have access to a healthcare system or mm-hmm. it's too expensive or they live in a remote geographic location, these devices are so inexpensive now. We know with the market penetration of them that this is a way that actually people, are, I think, are going to be able to access a healthcare system when they otherwise weren't able to. And I think that's another real benefit of it. I mean, I know in Canada, it's different than the US, but that could definitely change how our healthcare system from insurance as a whole would change, which I think a lot of Americans would be very excited about. You're right. I mean, there are differences for sure between what's going on in the US versus what's going on in Canada. But overall, the healthcare system is so ripe for change. And you know, I wonder if voice technology is the thing that is going to be the real thing that causes that change once and for all. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cherry, for being here. Where can people learn more about you if they want to connect? (laughs) Depends how they want to connect. Uh, If they want to learn more about the Canadian side of things, then um, alexaincanada.ca is my blog and podcast is of the same name. My flash briefing is uh, Voice in Canada. From the medical perspective, I have a website and podcast, voicefirsthealth.com, and I have a Voice First Health suite of flash briefings that we're building out similar to what I was talking about, where people can tap into certain flash briefings for certain diseases or illnesses. And if they're interested in sort of the marketing side of things, I have this free course, flashbriefingformula.com. And of course, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, the whole bit under, I'm usually, I think I'm just about everywhere, is Dr. Terry Fisher, D-R-T-E-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, sharing your insights, not only into what you do, but a little bit into your life. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's uh, really fun to chat with you. And as we spoke about at Project Voice, I love the energy that you bring. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.